It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Washington football team, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Crossover specials here on the Locked On Crossover, or Locked On Podcast Network, rather, uh, become a, re- a very regular thing. And, and Corbin Smith and I here talking about this Week 12 Monday Night Football matchup, the Washington football team at 4-6 and six after winning two games in a row, hosting the Seattle Seahawks at 3-7 and seven after losing two games in a row. So, Corbin, uh, you mentioned it before we even jumped on the air that two teams going in separate directions. Of course, Seahawks fans, Washington football team fans, we love you and appreciate you for making your favorite Locked On podcast your first listen or view if you're on YouTube every single day. David Harrison at DHarrison82 on Twitter. Corbin Smith at Corbin Smith NFL on Twitter. Corbin, let's kick off with the uh, the, the top storylines for each team here, and let's look at the Seattle Seahawks. NFC West supposed to be a really tough division, but the Seahawks were supposed to be in the mix, and now it looks like a, a loss. I mean, the division title is probably out of the question already. A loss pretty much, not completely, but almost ends their playoff hopes. I think that their playoff hopes got dashed last week. I think the Cardinals without Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins Put the dagger in Seattle's playoff coffin. They really did. At three and seven, obviously they're not mathematically eliminated. And the schedule is favorable for Seattle to be able to rattle off some wins here. Uh, Washington was a game I think a lot of Seahawks fans were looking at thinking that's a game that we can win. And now Washington, all they've done is go out and beat Tampa Bay and then past weekend beat Carolina. So they're rolling in the right direction. And all the Seahawks keep doing is moving backwards, particularly on offense. It's just been it's been unsightly watching this team try to put points on the board. They had 20 consecutive possessions without a touchdown. And that finally ended in the fourth quarter on Sunday. Most of those possessions were with Russell Wilson under center coming back from his finger surgery. I don't think his fingers impacting his play. He's just not playing well, not making good reads, erratic throws, not doing things. He needs to do on third down, missing open receivers, just scanning over and not seeing them for whatever reason. And this offense continues to be awful on third down too. 30th in the NFL moving the chains this year. So they're not sustaining drives. They're not getting enough plays in. They're not running the ball as much as they want to. 
Other teams are holding on to the ball almost 20 minutes more per game. It feels like it has been an unmitigated disaster on that side of the football. That's the big reason why they're three and seven. The defense hasn't been phenomenal by any means, but they're seventh in scoring defense. They have been good enough to win games. The offense, surprisingly, has not been the side, though, that's held up its end of the bargain. Yeah, and you mentioned surprisingly. I mean, that's, you know, at least from the outside looking in, that's not what you expected uh, out of the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, you have, you know, a couple of keystone kind of players and big names, uh, you know, guys like Jamal Adams that everybody kind of knows about around the NFL. But really, that defense was kind of the suspect unit coming into the season for most of us. Dangerous, right, is was going to lead Tyler Lockett and, and DK Metcalf were going to do their things. And if Seattle ever got their running game figured out, then watch out because uh, they might run away with this thing. But like you said, especially lately, uh, it's been an opposite story. And we, we keep with the theme of two teams going in opposite directions. Meanwhile, Taylor Heineke, who wasn't even supposed to start. I mean, Ron Rivera said it a few weeks ago that the quarterback situation in Washington completely turned on its head from what they were expecting to have in Ryan Fitzpatrick for the season uh, before the end of the, of the first quarter of the very first game of the season. And then Taylor Heineke taking the reins from there started off very shaky, very inconsistent, looked like a quarterback. They even at 28, almost 29 years of age, really didn't have any uh, substantial NFL experience. Over the games, you've seen some 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 flashes of talent from Taylor Heineke. You've seen some flashes of why he was a backup in the XFL. But these last two games, especially coming out of the bye, uh, he played his best professional game, his second best QBR uh, of his career as a starting quarterback uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, arguably his best game really from a film standpoint, from the eye test. And then he went uh, into Carolina the next week and played, again, his best game of his career. And this time it's the best game in the eye test on film and in the QBR box as well. I mean, just absolutely uh, looked efficient and phenomenal against a, a tough Carolina Panthers pass defense and really enabled that team to lean on their running backs a little bit and let the defense do what they needed to do to hold Cam Newton and that offense back. Now, Ron Rivera did mention they play Cam Newton at the perfect time and, and maybe four weeks from now playing Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton isn't going to be the same experience. But it looks like if if current trends stick up or uh, stay stay on path, this is the perfect time maybe to play Russell Wilson uh, and the Seattle Seahawks. I think the storyline for Washington, Corbin, is going to be can Taylor Heineke maintain this level of play? A lot of Washington fans want Taylor to be the future of the franchise, potentially avoid having to draft a first-round quarterback or go push all your chips into trade for it. maybe a Russell Wilson if those rumors kick back up and Aaron Rodgers or someone else out there. And if you can do that, if you can roll with Taylor Heineke into 2022, obviously you can build your team uh, from the inside out a lot faster. But consistency, that's what we've been missing all season long. That's going to be the question against Seattle. It looks like a unit that they could potentially do some of the dink and dunk and then hopefully take advantage of play action and some deep shots against the Seattle defense, similar to what they did against Carolina and a little bit of what they did against Tampa Bay. But it's going to be indicative that Taylor Heineke kind of does the same thing that Russell Wilson hasn't been able to avoid hit the open receiver, make the right read, be accurate with the ball, and be decisive. I was surprised, Corbin, watching that Arizona Cardinals loss uh, for the South Seahawks. I saw a tentative Russell Wilson at times, a hesitant Russell, Russell, Russell Wilson at times, uh, taking pressure and taking sacks at points where the previous Russell Wilson that I fell in love with as an NFL fan, I don't think he would have taken those hits and some of those sacks, but there you are having them go down. So it seems like the storyline for both sides is basically the same realm, but for opposite reasons. Yeah, Russell Wilson's just not playing well, especially on third down. I keep going back to that, but this is why Pete Carroll barged out of his press conference after Sunday's loss. He's so tired of trying to answer questions about why they can't advance the ball on third down and, and move the chains. It's been a problem for them all year. And 
Wilson has completed 35% of his passes on third down this year, easily the worst among qualified quarterbacks. And so you could put a lot of the blame for those third down struggles right on number three, because when Geno Smith was playing, he completed 68% of his third down passes and had almost as many conversions on 15 less attempts. So not saying Geno Smith is better than Russell Wilson, but on third down this year, he was better than Russell Wilson has been at this point. He has got to be much sharper in those situations so they can sustain drives. And on the defensive side of the football, I I think Seahawks fans are probably going to be really worried now hearing you say the words dink and dunk because that is all Colt McCoy was doing to them last weekend. And Colt McCoy has been the kryptonite for Seattle. He's 3-0 in his career with three different teams against Pete Carroll's defense. They always have trouble for whatever reason. But this was on another level, 328 passing yards by Colt McCoy. And this is a defense that really shut down Aaron Rodgers most of the game in Green Bay the week before. So they had been playing really good football. It was just a flat effort. Arizona looked like the three and six team that needed a victory, not Seattle. So they just didn't play with the urgency and didn't play with the hunger that you would have expected from them in a game that should have been winnable given the injuries the Cardinals have. So are they going to have that urgency now? Because you do lose this game and you're at eight losses. It's not going to mathematically eliminate you, but you might as well just say goodbye to any playoff hopes. They already, like I said earlier, pretty much are dead in my opinion, but you're at like 6% chance right now. You can put it at zero if they lose this game. So it is truly a must win. And Washington's in a little better spot for the wild card, but this would be probably a must win for them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think both teams definitely consider this a must win. But again, like you said, again, two teams going opposite directions, right? One team needs it a little bit more because their chances are a little bit more realistic while the other team needs it just to kind of feel better about what's going on. And uh, early on in the season, Washington football team fans, and we had to kind of struggle watching the team uh, as team after team. Josh Allen, I remember struggling in the beginning of the season for the Buffalo Bills, had his get-right game uh, against the Washington football team. This could be it. I mean, the Washington football team's third-down defense, the worst in the NFL right now, so perhaps that's the opportunity. Then you flip over to the other side of the ball. Washington's offensive strength has been their rush offense. They rank 10th in the NFL currently uh, in that category. What Seattle's rush defense, not great, 23rd, but that is their strongest per stats uh, lineup or uh, a ranking in the NFL right now being 23rd, 31st in total and 30th in pass defense, which I know you are very familiar with. So perhaps each side going to look to, uh, to to wedge something into each team's weaknesses to see if they can't find a spot. But the stats, Corbin, aren't going to win this game. It's the players and the coaches that are going to make the game plans and execute those game plans to win this game, which, whichever side wins. And coming up here on this crossover episode from the Lots On Podcast Network, we're going to talk about those matchups. Yeah, looking forward to it. This is truly going to be a game that is a get-right game for both teams. Something's got to give type game because the strengths seem to be the weaknesses on the other side. Which team's going to be able to get right in this game? That might ultimately decide who wins. Before we talk matchups here, it's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means, football, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Bet Online has you covered all holiday season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code locked on. It's not just football. Bet Online has pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC. Even your favorite Vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. 
Bet online where it's stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, Dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Okay, David, let's talk matchups going into this game, and I, I just mentioned it. You have two teams that when you look at strengths versus weaknesses, this is kind of an intriguing matchup because you've got Washington with that horrific third down defense, Seattle with a near historically bad third down offense, for example. So you've got two teams that that just have very different strengths and weaknesses going into this game. It truly is that something has to give type matchup. So let's talk concerning matchups for both teams when the Seahawks are on offense obviously the last two games there's really been nothing concerning about the Seahawks on offense they haven't been able to do anything except look broken but they obviously have a lot of talent on that side of the ball what worries you most from Washington's defensive perspective going up against Russell Wilson and company Really, it's, it's that run defense, you know. So I, I watched the Arizona Cardinals game, uh, again, to try to get, you know, a little bit of insight in what Seattle has, has been able to do. And that's the game I really kind of studied, right, most recent history, kind of see what's going on with the team. I've watched some Seattle Seahawks football over the, the course of the season because, again, I, I, I really am a big fan of, of Russell Wilson. It pains me to see him uh, performing the way that he is right now. But it's that run defense because, you know, the Arizona Cardinals didn't exactly run all over the Seattle Seahawks rush defense by any means, but they did enough and they had quality runs when they needed them to really set some things up. And then former Washington football team, great quarterback Colt McCoy was able to take advantage of some of the, the ripple effect of that running game, right? And take advantage of some of those openings down the field and, and in the intermediate part as the Seahawks defense tried to step up to stop the running game. My concern is that the Washington football team doesn't have necessarily the similar types. There's no James Conner on this Washington football team roster. You have J.D. McKissick, who's probably more of a, of a solid between the tackles runner than Antonio Gibson is more your shiftier guy, likes to work in space. And then you have Jarrett Patterson, who kind of looks like the bowling ball type in development, but he's an undrafted rookie. It's his first year in the NFL. Uh, he's definitely looked strong in some moments, but not ready to carry the load, right? So if Antonio Gibson can't make... Uh, any headway against the Seattle Seahawks rush defense and J.D. McKissick also can't. I don't know that the Washington football team turns to Jarrett Patterson to see if he can't make uh, something happen there. And if the Seattle Seahawks defense doesn't have to respect the run, doesn't have to be afraid of the play action, doesn't have to give that opportunity to quarterback like Taylor Heineke, we've seen games where if he doesn't have the openings, he'll try to make the openings, and that's where sometimes he gets in trouble. And we've also seen games where he won't have the openings downfield, but he also kind of, I don't want to call it refuses, right, but he also he almost kind of forgets how athletic he is sometimes and doesn't take advantage 
of those opportunities. Now, we've also seen games against Kansas City Chiefs where they lost, but he ended up having 95 yards rushing in that game. We've seen the progression to a smarter quarterback in Taylor Heineke, so I wonder if the Seattle Seahawks defense is able to stifle this running game a little bit because they don't have those bruisers if Taylor Heineke takes advantage of his own athleticism when given the opportunity to create a running attack where there isn't one already, force the Seahawks defense to climb up, open things down the field for DeAndre Carter, uh, who's been a rising star in the Washington offense, and of course, Terry McLaurin, your number one receiver. Yeah, you just led right into my biggest concern from Seattle's defensive perspective. That's Terry McLaurin, because you look at the Seahawks secondary right now, if they had their talented rookie Trey Brown available, probably would feel a lot better about this matchup because he really galvanized his secondary once he got into the lineup in week six. He was not playing like a rookie, playing really good football up until this past weekend, hadn't given up a reception of more than 15 yards, completion rate below 50% when targeted. He was playing outstanding football at the left cornerback position. Unfortunately, he had surgery today to repair a patella tendon injury, so he's done for the year. Huge blow to their secondary. And, oh, by the way, their starting right corner, D.J. Reed, did not play last weekend, and it's unclear if he's going to be able to play in this game. I thought D.J. Reed played well against McLaurin last year when these two teams played. But if you don't have him and you don't have Trey Brown, the starters are Sidney Jones and Bless Austin, who was waived by the Jets before the start of the season. Big athletic corner, but ended up falling out of favor in New York. Did okay this first weekend. Uh, against the Arizona Cardinals when he was thrown into action, but hasn't played very much for the Seahawks. That would be a huge advantage for a talented player like Terry McLaurin, who's got athleticism. Uh, he's extremely explosive, an outstanding route runner. I just worry that the Seahawks don't have the corners to be able to handle him if DJ Reed is not out there. Sidney Jones had a really good game against the Cardinals, but he has been up and down when they've had to play him this year, as he has throughout his entire NFL career. That just looks like a matchup with a better quarterback in ter- that uh, a better quarterback in Taylor Heineke throwing to McLaurin. That just screams heavy advantage for the Washington football team. Yeah, absolutely, and honestly, that's where my biggest confidence in this game is going to come into with those matchup. Again, as much of a, as a, as a fan of as I am of Russell Wilson as an NFL purist, I'm also a big fan of Trey Brown. And real quick, a shout out to to Ross Jackson, our boss at the Locked On Podcast Network, host of the Locked On Saints podcast. Uh, he turned me on to Trey Brown at the Senior Bowl. We're in mobile, and I'm looking at guys like Benjamin St. Juice, who ends up with the Washington football team and some other players out there. He points out Trey Brown, his his good friend, and, and someone that I call a friend now, uh, Dylan Sanders, at Dilly Sanders on Twitter. Also a uh, big fan of Trey Brown there at the Senior Bowl. Really showed out, really showed a lot of potential NFL talent. So to see him go down, uh, obviously from a Washington standpoint, it's an advantage. right? You don't celebrate injuries, but you do acknowledge the advantage, but you hate to see a young guy like that go down. Uh, to injury and then like you said his season is is pretty much over according to coach Carroll uh, and then and then yeah the the other side of of that competition D, DJ Reed is he going to be able to come back or not if if not like you said a better quarterback in Taylor Heineke a better number one receiver I think uh, no disrespect to necessarily AJ Green or anybody else on the Cardinals roster but I think Terry McLaurin definitely one of those up and coming wide receivers and even against traditional number one number two corners in a defense Taylor Heineke not afraid to put that ball up there for Terry and he's proven to be one of the better 50-50 balls, making adjustments, kind of saving his quarterback from time to time, but making really solid plays. And then you look at the potential return, Corbin, of Logan Thomas, the tight end. Nobody, not 100% certain that he's going to return, but obviously that middle part of the field 
even if he's not back, John Bates had a fairly good game against Carolina, flashed some talent as well and, and ability. And if you can attack the Seattle defense from all three levels, down the field with your wide receivers and in, in the intermediate with those same receivers and tight ends, and then, of course, coming out of the backfield with guys like J.D. McKissick and Antonio Gibson, former wide receivers themselves, I think you really have the ability to stress out the Seattle Seahawks defense. And with the way that offense is struggling, if the if the Washington football team defense or offense can put some points up on the board and force Seattle to kind of start pressing to, to get production, that plays, I think, right into the hands of the Washington football team defense and could lead to that Washington football team win that they so desperately need. Yeah, when I look at Seattle offensively going to this game, obviously if Chase Young was healthy, would probably be the first guy that I highlight because the issues the tackles have had pass protecting this year for the Seahawks. Dwayne Brown's had a really rough season. Looks like Father Time has caught up with him a bit. But I'm really concerned about Jonathan Allen going into this game. Such a game wrecker. To me, still one of the more underrated players in the National Football League. His ability to play all across the defensive line. You can play him at end, play him inside at nose, three-tack. He can do everything. And Seattle's interior offensive line hasn't been much better in pass protection. And they've really struggled in the run-blocking department. So I just look at Allen as the kind of player. They've had their issues with really athletic, physical three-tacks. I think he is going to be a handful for them, and he could be the player that ends up destroying everything the Seahawks want to do in this game, especially with how much they have struggled offensively to this point. If they can keep him under control and not let him totally take over the game, I like some of the other matchups that the Seahawks have up front. I think they can run the football against this team. And I think if you mix in more play action, they haven't done much play action, which makes no sense to me. Uh, Shane Waldron hasn't dialed up very much of that for whatever reason, but if they can get that play action passing game going, this is a Washington defense that's been better as of late, but they've given up their share of explosive plays, especially early in the year. And you've still got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett on the outside. The talent is there for the Seahawks to be able to move the ball downfield. But I really worry about Jonathan Allen single-handedly destroying their game plan because he's that type of a talent along the defensive line and, and this offensive line's just been rough to watch for much of the season. He is a potential game record, definitely a fan favorite uh, out here in the DMV and in the nation's capital and someone to keep an eye on. And, and you know, look, the loss of Chase Chase Young and the loss of Montez Sweat for for what we're going to look at is probably over a month. If they're still in the playoff race, I think he comes back eventually in December. But if they get eliminated from the playoff race, maybe we've seen the last of Montez Sweat this season. But Casey Tuhill and James Smith-Williams uh, in replacement there, a lot of people are focusing all that energy on Jonathan Allen. Hasn't had a sack in the, in the two-game winning streak and only has two quarterback hits during those same two games. But I think a lot of offenses are kind of honing in on Jonathan Allen, a little bit on Deron Payne. And Casey Tuhill and James Smith-Williams, by and large, have made some very intelligent plays and done things to really help contain opposing offenses, even as they focus in on those other players. But you're right, that tendency to be aggressive. Everybody wants to be aggressive and make the big plays. Can the Washington football team secondary stay back enough? That's how they've been winning the last two games. Kind of the classic bend, don't break defense, right? Take the small stuff, give away the small stuff to the offense, come in, tackle solid, try to take advantage of the mistakes as they present themselves, and then keep points off the board. That's really what Washington's been doing. If they bite, if they start biting up a little bit, Corbin, you know that's Tyler Lockett, that's DK Metcalf, and we already know Russell Wilson, double covered or not, he will throw the ball and give DK an opportunity. You never know when DK is going to come up with one of those amazing catches. Those are the players on the field. They're going to determine who wins this game and who doesn't. But Corbin, we have predictions to make. Yeah, before we do that, real quick, Built Bar, if you haven't tried one by now, you've probably heard about it if you listen to our show regularly, but you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar. 
It does not taste like one, though. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. I have one before every one of my workouts. I work out every single day. That is one of the must-haves. Now, I have to have a built Bar because it's 100% real chocolate. When you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It really does taste like a candy bar. Low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, high in protein, all the healthy benefits, and it's delicious. Tons of great flavors. Raspberry, mint brownie, salted caramel, my personal favorite, peanut butter brownie. This month, Built is coming out with a new limited time flavor every three to four days. So check out their website often because you don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we're going to get to the predictions here in a moment. But real quick, David, I want to discuss keys to victory because, again, these are two teams that are trending in different directions. They have different ways that they want to try to beat their opponents, different types of rosters, different personnel. So from Washington's standpoint, we'll start on the offensive side of the football. What do you think is the one key for Washington on offense to get this win and improve to five and six in the season. I think it's establishing the running backs. And I know traditionally we say establish the running game, right? But again, they don't have the big bruising running backs like some of these other teams do. So I'm going to keep it with establish the running backs. If you can't find room running the ball up the middle or even on the edges against Seattle Seahawks defense, use them in the screen, use them in the short passing game. And again, kind of force Seattle's defense to condense around the running backs bring those linebackers and safeties in maybe a little bit in support and then throw behind them in the intermediate routes with guys like DeAndre Carter, Terry McLaurin deep down the field if you can, uh, Logan Thomas hopefully in the middle of the field as, as a tight end as they look to cover those running backs up, take advantage of the space that they leave behind. And that leads right into my defensive key to victory for the Seahawks because their defense has improved a lot from a pass defense standpoint, at least with the vertical passing game. They have gotten much better as the season's progressed. They do have their injuries at corner, but the one thing they have not been able to stop from week one till now has been opposing screen games, particularly to running backs. Antonio Gibson with his electric playmaking ability. J.D. McKissick, Seahawks fans know really well. He played a few seasons in Seattle, former receiver, those two players catching the ball out of the backfield on screens. And even if the if Washington mixes in Logan Thomas, if he plays and mixes him in with a tight end screen, Seattle's had trouble with those two. Basically, they've been allergic to defending screens. If they don't fix up that area in this game, that's going to open up those opportunities downfield for McLaurin and company. So I think that's the number one key. Can you slow down the running backs and prevent big plays on screens if they can't do that i think this has a chance to be a long night on monday night football now flipping the script a little bit when washington's on defense what do you think is the number one thing they got to do to slow down the seahawks offense which quite frankly has been very good at slowing themselves down <laughs> yeah play disciplined ball uh keep that shell you know what i mean i can't imagine jack del rio is going to come out with a game plan 
against the Seattle Seahawks, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and not look to keep an umbrella of safety over uh, his defense. I, I just can't imagine that he's not going to do that. So for those secondary players, you know, th this Washington football team defense when they're in zone, really not all that effective. Guys are getting, you know, they're getting open, they're getting yardage and all those things, and, they're, and the key is going to be stopping them. So if, if you give up a 12-yard play in zone coverage, make the tackle. Don't let the 12 turn into 20 or 22 and live to play another down. But if you get over-aggressive and you try to start filling in those gaps on the fly and kind of going off script, I think that's the biggest thing. When, when teams have stars injured, you know, obviously you don't want to see that happen. But I think sometimes what you end up getting is a little bit more of a disciplined form of football because the star playmakers tend to trust on their own instincts and athleticism a little bit. Sometimes they go off script, but when you have these backups come in, they tend to stick to the script and do what they're told. And that lets the defense coordinator and the offense coordinator kind of manipulate the game as they need to. So for guys like Cam Curl when he's assigned on deep coverage or Bobby McCain or whoever it is that's back there in deep coverage, stick to the assignment because you don't want to give up the 40, 50, 60-yard bomb to a DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett. Make the Seattle Seahawks offense grind it out. Hope for the occasional Will Disley drop pass or stumble catcher or whatever, what have you or the low pass from Russell Wilson when the opportunity arises and the, and the mistake happens, take advantage, capitalize, and get a couple of takeaways. I think that's how the, the Washington defense keeps Seattle under 23 points because when Washington has scored 23 points and their defense has kept their opponent under 23, they're undefeated. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting – that's an interesting factoid there because scoring 23 points right now for the Seahawks is, like, near impossible. So <laughs> that right there on its own, Washington should feel pretty good about its chances. But in all seriousness, everyone knows the offense for Seattle has a dynamic playmaker in Russell Wilson, a quarterback. He hasn't been playing like that since he returned from his injury. But to me, the biggest key – I could sit here and reiterate, you got to convert on third down. Obviously, they have to be much better in that regard. They've got to do a better job on first and second down, avoiding negative plays so they don't have a bunch of third and longs so that Washington can pin their ears back and get after Russell Wilson. But I think patience and discipline are the most important things for this offense, in particular, Russell Wilson. Don't feel like you have to come out and throw a bunch of 30-plus yard bombs when they aren't there. Opponents have been taking those away based on what they've been doing schematically back to the end of last year, and yet they haven't made the adjustments. Russell Wilson's got to be willing to take those dump-offs. He's got to be willing to work the middle of the field, short to intermediate passing game, get the football out of his hands. And if you're able to do that and you're running the ball fairly well, having a balanced offense – that gives you the chance that Washington's corners are going to get a little bit impatient themselves, and you might be able to get one or two of those downfield shots. And once that happens, maybe that's all you need to get the floodgates open for this offense. They just haven't been able to put enough good plays together, get a few explosives, have the run game going, pick up some of those third downs. A lot of that comes down to patience with the quarterback, make sure he's getting rid of the football and being disciplined, not trying to do too much. It's very elementary, but the Seahawks need to get back to the basics because they haven't been able to do anything right on offense up to this point. So go back to elementary school, do the basic stuff, those quick, easy passes, and then maybe some of those deep shots can open up. And this offense can start looking like the unit everybody thought they were going to be going into the season. Absolutely. And then, of course, Corbin, this game is interesting. And it's interesting in matchups, and it's interesting in the stack comparisons, and it's just interesting in general because, again, like you said, and we've said multiple times, two teams that look to be going in opposite direction. But the books can't figure it out either. I mean, this this game opened up 
uh, on some books with the Seattle Seahawks being two and a half, even three point favorites early on. And then it kind of moved to where they were one point favorites. And then even as early as Monday, betonline.ag, our friends over there had Washington as a one point favorite Corbin. Now it's a pick them. They don't even have uh, necessarily a specific favorite. Now the odds, you know, uh, Washington football team is negative 115 while Seattle's at negative 105. So you have a little bit of a difference there, but it really is kind of an up in the air. I don't think people know if they want to believe in this Washington football team yet, or if they want to believe that the Seahawks are going to continue playing down uh, the way that they really have. What do you see happening in this game? And who, and who do you think is coming out of this Monday night game in Washington uh, with the win? I haven't seen anything the last couple games that suggests to me that the Seahawks are going to snap out of their funk on offense. With that said, Russell Wilson cannot continue to play the way that he has the last two games. There's no way. And there were some signs in the last game. He was able to get a few big plays to Tyler Lockett. The run game was efficient. They just didn't do it enough. And Pete Carroll lamented about that the last couple of days. That they, they had only 18 carries in this game. Pass protection was better as the game wore on, but there were missed opportunities. It feels like Russell Wilson is due, well overdue, for a big game. And this is a defense, as well as they played the last couple of weeks, that has been vulnerable against big plays. And I feel like the defense is going to be upset after the way that they played last week. You give up 328 passing yards to Colt McCoy, you better hope that you play with more pride than that in this game. And maybe the fact that Taylor Heineke is no longer a backup, the Seahawks just for whatever reason, backups destroy them. So they might actually take this game seriously. And for that reason, it's prime time on the road. They've been better on the road than at home for whatever reason. I think Seattle is going to find a way to win this one, but it's going to be very tight. Um, I'm not going to list out a score necessarily, but I think Seattle finds a way to escape. But this is going to be a much tougher test than what many anticipated a few weeks ago, especially given how bad Seattle's been on offense. I don't expect that trend to continue moving forward. They're not going to be an elite offense, but there's no way what they've done the last two weeks is going to have staying power. There's just there's too much talent on this side of the football. Yeah, you would think eventually talent's going to win out and they're going to find a way, and a leader like Russell Wilson is going to find a way uh, to get things going. On the Washington football team side, look, I said it coming out of the bye when they were facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We acknowledge nobody expected the Washington football team to beat the defending Super Bowl champions. They came out, they did. The Buccaneers helped a little bit, but the Washington football team really took, took control in the second half of that game, and that's kind of where things have turned around a little bit. It was the same Washington defense, same strategy and approach to the game, but the players were executing it better. Then you come out against Carolina, and I said it on the Locked on Washington football team podcast, I said, look, until I see it two times in a row, at least with, with the consistency, it's really kind of hard for me to go ahead and start believing this is what the new look Washington football team is going to be coming out of the bye week. We saw not only the same level of production and performance against Carolina Panthers, but we actually saw some new wrinkles. Corbin, the first time all season we've seen a run option play with Taylor Heineke quarterback happen just last week against Carolina Panthers. I was amazed and stunned all at the same time. So apparently Scott Turner is starting to put a, a few wrinkles in there for Taylor Heineke, and that kind of goes what you just said. No longer the backup. Now he's the quarterback. He's the guy that they're at least riding with for the 2021 season, it would appear, even if Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, somehow gets healthy enough to return. Kind of expects Taylor Heineke to stay the quarterback unless he reverts back to some of the bad Taylor uh, that we saw early on. We'll see how that goes. So if I'm going to put that parameter on there that I can't believe it until I start seeing it consistently, I've got to be a man of my word now. I've seen it for seven, uh, give it six or seven quarters straight. So I have to kind of believe that this is the Washington football team we're going to see play that safe defense, force the Seattle Seahawks to grind it out and fix their own problems on their own terms. 
Uh, Seattle's going to have the advantage, one, of, of obviously having a season's full of, of tape on Taylor Heineke, but also those two new edge defenders, Casey Tuhill and James Smith-Williams, like I mentioned, replacing Sweat and Chase Young. Now they've been on the, on the field together for an entire game, and James Smith-Williams has been starting for this team for two straight games. So Seattle's going to have a little bit more film than Carolina did and especially Tampa Bay did with those two defenders to see how the defense looks a little bit different without those two playmakers on the field. So they have a little bit of an advantage there. I'm still going to go with Washington in this one, and fans are going to hope – that I'm not the curse because I picked against Washington the last two weeks and they proved me wrong. But I'm going to go to Washington. I'm going to throw my word, where my money, where my mouth is. I'm going to pick them. They've shown me some consistency. I still think, like you, it's going to be close. I'm no more than a three-point margin of victory for no matter who wins. If Curtis Samuel somehow starts looking good at practice, Corbin, we could see that line shift back to where Washington becomes favored. Even if that happens, I wouldn't take any more than three points, and I don't know how comfortable I would feel with three points. I might just go money line on this one, to be quite honest with you. Very close win, but I think Washington comes out with it. Yeah, this this is going to be interesting because you've struggled with predictions this year. I have uncharacteristically been really off with my predictions for Seahawks games this year. So both of us going against the grain here. Uh, somebody's got to win the game. Somebody is not going to be jinxed in this one. So uh, I'm really fascinated to see how this plays out. It's a game that obviously both teams have losing records. Not going to be a ton of interest on Monday night. But again, I do think that there's a lot of intrigue because there's a lot of differences with this, these two teams. They are going in different directions. And Seahawks going to try to right the ship. Washington going to kind of try to find a way to keep the momentum rolling here as we go further into the second half of the season. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow David at DHarrison82. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and the Washington football podcast next week on Tuesday after the Monday night game. Both shows will be breaking down takeaways and much more from the primetime contest. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the game. Go Hawks. Go Washington. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.